0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Darshan Johan, and with me in the studio today is Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. So our studio, uh, our story for today will be about um the reason um, protests that took place outside of parliament uh, because last Saturday more than 200 people marched towards parliament to protest the election commission's delay in implementing the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18. So this is following the announcement by the EC that the implementation of undi 18 has been postponed to September twenty uh, twenty two. It was supposed to come into effect by July twenty twenty one this year. And some of the protesters uh, were later called in by the authorities. So we'll be speaking to a member from Party Socialist Malaysia who attended the rally and was also called in by the police for investigation.
1: Yep, and as always, you can sh- uh, send in your thoughts and comments uh, to us by tweeting us at BFM Radio or sending a message uh, to WhatsApp at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight, double nine.
2: Yes, so as you mentioned Dash, last Saturday more than 200 people marched towards parliament to protest the election commission's uh, delay in implementing the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18. So previously, prekatan National um, MPs and ministers had also criticised the move to lower the voting age. So for example, the Yang li Dewan Negara, Dr. Rais Yatim, claimed, and this was back in February, that the Pakatan Harapan government may have been rash in their decision to gazette the lower of the voting age in Malaysia from 21 to 18 years old. And according to him, the decision was made hastily without weighing the potential ups and downs of the move and without taking into account the country's political landscape.
0: That's right. And similarly, around the same time, the likes of uh, Wan Faisal, Senator Wan Faisal, who is the Deputy Minister of Youth and Sports, also criticised the move. But he was, uh, you know, but he has since sort of changed his stance a little bit after receiving pushback from the public. So, uh, um, after this, uh, the pushback, he said that the, his statement on the need to educate voters should not be construed as him not being in support of lowering the voting age from 21 to 18. But here's, here's one thing we have to make uh, very clear. During Pakatan Harapan's tenure, the ruling coalition only had a simple majority in parliament, which alone is not sufficient to amend the constitution. Mm, to amend yeah. the constitution of Malaysia, right, um, it would require at least two-thirds of the MPs to support the motion. So two-thirds mm. out of 220. And this decision to amend the federal constitution and lower lower the voting age was a bipartisan one. MPs from both sides of the political aisle voted in favour of it, which is why this whole situation has been genuinely baffling, you know, to say the least. You know, why I wonder would the same politicians who only a couple of years ago were highly in favour of lowering the voting age, suddenly, you know, they, they have decided, oh, it's not the right time and the youth are not ready.
1: Yeah, I guess that's really, you know, certainly something to think about, isn't it? But, but even when certain politicians uh, were saying um, things like this, uh, it still looked like the lowering of the voting age would still be implemented by July 2021 this year, uh, as promised. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's not the case anymore, right? Last week, the Election Commission announced that the implementation of UNDI-18 had been has been postponed to September 2022. Next year, they cited uh, covid nineteen and the accompanying movement control orders and the declaration of emergency uh, in the country as reasons uh, for delaying on um, eighteen and this is what triggered the peaceful protests that uh, took place last weekend. You'll remember you know, seeing the photos and headlines uh, among the two to three hundred people protesting were former education minister Masli Mali. At- Activists turned politicians Maria Chin Abdullah and Tian Chua uh, and Howard Lee from DAP Youth, members of Parti Muda and uh, PSM, Parti Socialist Malaysia, along with several NGOs like, uh, of course, ND18, se 2.0 and Democrat National showing their support uh, for the movement. That's right. Unfortunately,
0: following the peaceful protest, many organisers and participants were summoned by the police to, uh, and I quote, record their statements, right? And not much else has been revealed as of now. So joining us on the line right now to share his insights is uh, Sharon Raj, the Central Committee member from Party Socialist Malaysia. He was also the first person who received a phone call from the police following the protest. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Um Just to start, perhaps you can start by telling us about the day of the protest itself. What exactly went down?
3: All Right. So a peaceful gathering of nearly 200 individuals from various backgrounds uh, came together to protest against the delaying of uh, implementation of Undi 18. There were student groups, there were youngsters, there were uh, high school uh, kids. I'm talking about Form 6. So most of them were above the age of 18, yeah? And you see people from different backgrounds, from various uh, races, from various ethnicity, people with different ideologies. You have the liberals, you have the conservatives, you have the socialists, you have a lot of kind of... So it was an amazing crowd. It was an amazing crowd. It was very colourful. It was vibrant. Uh, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. A youngster's protest should be vibrant. It was dynamic. We gathered at Padang Merbo. And about 200 of them, uh, led by the organisers, they marched through. Uh, I was not the organisers, yeah. So we marched through all the way towards to the parliament. Uh, The police were present. The police were present with us all the way there. And uh, we would like to thank them because they assisted in in controlling the traffic for us all the way towards the parliament. They allowed us to peacefully assemble halfway mark on the parliament bridge. Uh, that was great. We, we, we respected the police, uh, the law and order police on duty on that day. And of course there were speeches, there were press conference, uh, flags bearing, there was chanting. And uh, we sat for nearly 18 minutes quietly in the burning scorch heat to symbolize the delay of the undi 18, right? So 18 minutes, we sat in the scorching burn. I mean, it was really burning and you're sitting on the tar road. I don't know how many people's uh, butt got cooked on the day, <laughs> but it was really, really burning. But we bear that heat, we bear that weather, because we were frustrated about the delaying of the implementation of Undi 18. But overall, it was an amazing public assembly. There was no form of intimidations. There were no form of rockers. And later, we dispersed uh, quietly. Social distancing was practiced. Uh, masks were given out. Hand sanitizers were given out. So it was actually amazing to see how 200 people actually assemble peacefully In a social distancing manner, and we should give credits to the people who turn up for the public assembly.
2: Mm, Definitely. And you mentioned that the police actually accompanied you guys on the day of the protest to ensure that everything went smoothly, right? So uh, why then did they call you to the station after?
3: Being called by the police was actually uh, surprising and we were shocked. uh, unfortunately, I was the first person to be called by the police on Sunday night, exactly by 29:29, by an inspector from the IPD Dang Wangi. I was surprised to receive the phone call directly to my personal line, so it seems they already had my number, and they said they were had to call me in for in to investigate me for the public assembly that occurred on Saturday, and. Of course, I say that we'll be more than happy, but the police has to serve me an official letter under Section 111 in the Akta Kanun Tata Chara Janaya. Uh, if people didn't know, the Section One in Atta Kanun Tata Janaya states that the police or the law enforcement needs to serve an official letter to any individual the police would like to question. In event the police did not serve you an official letter, any individual can have the right to refuse not to turn up or assist so a police investigation, yeah? So this is actually uh, public rights. So I requested that I wanted a official letter as enshrined in Section 11 in Acta uh, Kanun Tata which I received on uh, Monday afternoon, right? And on Monday morning, uh, a lot of uh, my other friends from Amana, from Debsi, and including other activists uh, also received a phone call stating that the police would like to investigate them. So this came actually a shock uh, because when you look at Saturday, everything was peaceful. Uh, The police actually escorted us. Um, They didn't make any troubles. They did not prevent us and everything. It was perfectly fine. We were not expecting any form of police uh, repercussions or investigations of any sort. And then you got it on Monday night. And the first call came to me. So it was very shocking. And I was not the main or prime organiser at that day. Um, so it seems they were specifically targeted the, the youth political leaders. Uh, that's one thing we can tell. Although it was more than half of the people who turn up are non-politically affiliated youths, but the police specifically called up uh, young political leaders such as myself, uh, Arvin Kadir Chalvin, which is the from the PSM's uh, youth wing, and then you had Howard Lee, which is the Ketua, uh, Ketua Pemuda for DAP. You had Shazni Mune, which is the Ketua Pemuda for Amanah. And then you had uh, uh, young Shofera uh, which is also known as Rara, Adun Katari, which is also a young DAP member. So a lot of target went specifically on the young political leader. And so I have a suspicion that this is some form of political suppression. So on that day, of course, we we decided to turn up, mm-hmm. and those who have received letter, we decided to turn up on on uh, yesterday's to for the police investigation.
1: Right then, uh, now what can you tell us about what went down yesterday at the station? You know, and I know a lot of supporters, including uh, folks from the Center of Independent Journalism, gathered outside the station to show you guys their support.
3: Right, so. Uh, a total of uh, most of the youth leaders that turned up on, during the first batch were from the Parti Muda, uh, the Malaysian Socialist Party, uh, from the D- uh, DAP Socialist Youth, from Parti Negara, as well as uh, members from PKR, right? And there was a good number of uh, crowd turning out for support. Uh, personally, I was so amazed to see the amount of solidarity and support. And I would like to thank all of them. For, for coming forward and give us a moral support. It was amazing to see that a lot of nations are standing uh, with us and standing against uh, suppression and standing against intimidation. And we turned up with our lawyers. I was personally represented by two lawyers. My statement was recorded by an assistant superintendent of police, a ranked officer in IPD Dangwangi. The police officer had some series of questions regarding the public assembly which I had cooperated by giving them uh, re- relevant answers for them. And uh, at about 3.30, I was already out. So we walked in at about 2.30. I arrived at about 2 uh, and had some uh, coffee right across the IPD Danguwangi. At about 2.30, a few hours walked in, and most hours were out by 3.30. So the police did not quiz us more than an hour. Though I felt that it was unnecessary for police to actually quiz us,
0: Okay, now that the protests are done, what are the next steps to push for the implementation of Undi18, at least as far as uh, your party, PSM, is concerned?
3: The PSM Youth Wing, known as Permuda Socialists, are part of the Secretariat, which is looking into the further actions for Undi18. Unfortunately, there is not much updates I can give at the moment because the discussion is happening. Uh, But I'm very sure the Secretariat will make the announcement very soon on the next step forward.
0: All right. Okay, on that note, we do need to go for a very quick break. Now, when we come back, we'll talk to uh, Sharon about the importance of lowering the voting age from 21 to 18. We'll be back with more on The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest. On The Bigger Picture, I'm Dashran Yohan, and with me in the studios, Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. And on the line with us is Sharan Raj, the Central Committee Member of Party Socialist Malaysia. And we are discussing the recent Undi 18 protests that took place outside of the parliament over the weekend.
1: That's right. And before the uh, break, we uh, started talking about what actually went down during the protests and why Sharan was, you know, uh, called by the police. Uh, as always, you can send us your thoughts and comments about, you know, Undi 18. You can tweet us at FM radio and send us a WhatsApp at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. So Sharon, thanks. Uh, yes, thanks for staying on the line with us. Um, you know, let's talk about the importance of this constitutional amendment because it's a big deal, right? You know, why is it important to lower the voting age from twenty-one to eighteen?
3: Now let's just look at the youngsters today, the generation of the post uh, nineteen nineties. Some people say these generations uh, they are brats, they're over-asking things, they are spoiled and everything. But truthfully, this is the most pitiful generation ever lived in this country, you know. They are moneyless, they are jobless, and they are homeless. Right after graduation, they have PTPTN loan, they have education loan. That makes them moneyless. And there's insufficient amounts of jobs. And they have been told that, you know, you study engineering, you study lawyer, you study doctor, there's jobs and so on. But you look at the numbers of people who are underemployed, unemployed, is so high, especially amongst the graduates, you know. So they are jobless. And look at the price of the housing, you know. They are asking us, do not ask for higher salary. But then when you look in terms of salary, when I was born, an engineer's salary was about, what, 1,000, 2,008? And today, after 28 years, the salary is still the same. But what's the housing price? How many times? Even the petrol price has went up by 10 times. But salary has barely moved in absolute amount. And if you adjust to the inflation, it may actually be negative, you know. So we are not asking a lot. Actually, we have regressed so much, all right? And I'm uh, in the late 20s, you know, and imagine what are the younger generation are suffering. And this is because largely they are not. Because they do not have a political participation. They do not have the right to vote. And when you lower the voting age, you bring a huge amount of these people who are actually being uh, oppressed by the system, who are being suppressed by the system, who have no political representation, to come forward. And only La Pamela's is very, very meaningful. And one thing, the entire world will admit the youngsters uh, do not believe in status quo. They are very idealistic. Some people, you might call them uh, crazy. However, Their idealism will change the world. They will not believe in status quo. They will not believe in racism. They will vote for policies. And this is the change the country needs. People who vote for policies, people who have no loyalty to party lines, people who vote for progress and change. And this young people idealism in election matters. It really, really matters. It will change our politic narrative from racism-based to policy-making-based, something which desperately this country needs, especially at this point of time.
2: And what do you say to people who say that Undi18 can only be implemented in 2022 because there are still some kinks uh, that need to be fixed before automatic voter registration can actually come into effect?
3: When I look at the arguments, they say that we need to fix some kinks in automatic voter registration. The claims what people did not update their IC numbers and everything, so on. Okay, fine. Let's assume what they say was correct. There are people who did not give proper uh, address and so on. But remember, the civil servant is a huge amount of workforce and the election laws and the election regulation allows election commission to use any civil servant or public resources to execute uh, election activities, You know, which does not only mean electoral or election also, which includes pre-registration and so on. I think we can get our civil servants to go house to house to verify people You. Can can cross-reference with other databases. You can cross-reference with the income tax department. You can cross-reference with the medical records from public hospital and so on. And you have my card number. You can just cross-reference to get the address correct. You can cross-reference with the multimedia commission to get their phone numbers to call them to check up. The resources is available. Automatic voter registration can be implemented actually sooner. Can be implemented sooner. So I do not believe the argument, and I believe it is just to to justify the... Uh, They are delayed. So it's just a rhetorical uh, delay. But in reality, the law is very clear. The public resources this country have is amazing. We could have actually done it faster. I'm actually surprised we are waiting up to even July at the first place. We could have got it done within six months since the parliament has voted. I do not accept the justification given uh, by the government. It could actually be done earlier.
0: Okay, but here's the thing, right? Um, the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18 is one part of the constitution that was amended. It is technically independent of the automatic voter registration, this technology that they are trying to implement, right? So for context, site Sadi has repeatedly brought up in recent weeks that um, grouping the lowering of the voting age with automatic voter registration was just part of a uh, quote-unquote gentleman's agreement that they made in parliament uh, couple of years ago right it's it's not an official um sort of a deal they came to so and so even if there are technical difficulties with the automatic voter registration process undi 18 can still come into effect first and you know 18 year olds can perhaps register the old-fashioned way for now what do you think about that
3: uh, well you are absolutely correct we can do the manual way there is no restrictions. Um, but uh, as much as people know it was a political handshake, uh, I give you this, you give me that kind of stuff. But both of this electoral reform is actually long overdue, right? You know, the, the, the registered voting system, this uh, vote above age 21 was actually designed by the British, right, during the uh, British Malaya time, during the uh, North Borneo, during the, so all of this was actually pre-colonial rules, you know, and which we should have actually amended at the formation of the Federation in 63 itself, all right, and this is long overdue, and now when we have done it, and they say we, we need to delay more, and all kinds of things, this is actually totally unacceptable, okay? And the argument is, okay, let's get that 18 and let's do things manual. For crying out loud, we have my card with biometric chips and you're telling me I still have to manually register. What is wrong with this country? I mean, we talk about MSC in 1990, mid-90s, and we say that you're voting you have to do manual, you know? I can actually pay my income tax online. I can get my passport online. I can get my my card online. What can I not do online nowadays? I can literally buy my groceries online. But I want to register for what I have to manually do things. You know, by right, this I think should be automatic. You know, we should make uh, voting, we should make political participation as easy as possible. We should not make as many. Yes, there are people who have been out of the digital system. They, they need some sort of assistance. Okay. Uh, they may be far away from the rural area whatsoever, but voting should be automatic by default. Anyone who reach the age of 18, I think you should not, I think it should be made automatic. Right, so I do not accept the argument. Let's do Undi first, and then we can do the manual uh, voter registration. Let automatic come later. For crying out loud, both of these should have been done in nineteen sixty five. It's we shouldn't be talking now in twenty twenty.
1: Hmm. Now there there are people who you know who've been arguing that you know the youth aren't mature enough to to vote and so on. Uh, what's your response to them?
3: Well, uh, that is. Uh, those who are actually saying youths are not mature enough to vote are actually the immature one. It's actually the other way around. You know, the fact that you do not recognize the youngsters as mature. Now, let me tell you a very interesting story about our independence and show how the youngsters are the reason why we have independence. If you look in the late forties, when AMNO was founded, the pre independence AMNO were not interested in independence. They were more there to protect their uh, their feudalism, their aristocracy. They want to protect their own interests. And then they had this young chap, some of these people in AP uh, PKMM, they were young people. And you know, you'll be surprised, they actually, in their early 20s, some of them in their late teens, you know, they were going around saying, we want kemerdekan penuh, full independence, you know. And at that time, a lot of these old Amno guys are saying, these guys are lunatic. They have no idea what they are talking. They are just going around shouting this and that, all right? But what these young people said after five years was resonating so well among the common population, among the common population, that Amno switched its entire agenda from uh, becoming protecting their interests, from protecting their feudalistic interests, to becoming, oh, we are going to demand independence also, you know. So these young people actually switched amno's narrative because Amno itself was becoming irrelevant when it said that we want some sort of dominion status like what we have had Hong Kong Australia until the late 90s kind of thing so this is what Amno was actually fighting and the young people changed it and today when you look at this argument these two situations they are no different uh, they are referring uh, the youths are immature enough to vote and so on but in reality they are actually they are the immature one they do not see that our idealism is the forerunner of progress, right? For every progress that the human society has made, it was the idealism of the young people. They did not accept status quo, and they said, let's set the bar higher and higher and higher, right? And if you notice who are exactly uh, saying the young people are not mature enough to work, So they are so scared, getting kicked out, and they decided, okay, let's name and shame the youngsters, which is exactly what they're doing. But you're trying them to prove how they say youngsters are immature to vote. They cannot give you an empirical, neither they can give you a justified factual. But then, those who say the youngsters are mature enough to vote can produce a high level of uh, uh, empirical or statistical data analysis or whatsoever to prove that justification. You look at history. 60, 70 years ago, during uh, during the uh, colonial time, young people took on the British Empire. You know, when Amno itself was so scared to take on the British Empire, the young people took on, and Amno changed his narrative because the youngsters were so strong.
2: There are also some who say that Undi eighteen is a Pakatan Harapan agenda, and that it will only benefit the opposition during the elections. Do you think this argument holds any weight?
3: Unfortunately undi uh, 18 will not benefit pakatan and unfortunately nobody knows undi 18 will benefit who or it will penalize who but one thing i'm very sure is the old guards uh, in barisan and pakatan they uh, potentially will be the first casualty the first massacre in that right and not necessarily they will be massacred by pakatan harapan's candidate an independent candidate may actually stand in a 19 year old may stand in and they may massacre that guy you know right and one thing why everybody is so wary about Undi la is, including uh, PSM, uh, we have to be very uh, genuine about this, is we don't know how they're going to vote. We know they won't vote for status quo. That is amazing. We know they vote for policies. That is amazing. But who they're going to vote, Will become a very big question because now when you look in every election, the results is already there. We know people in this residential area, in this age group, in this ethnicity, we more or less can gauge their probability of a tendency. Of course, it's a probability thing, but we have a ten. No, where's the tendency? But no one could accurately predict how these young voters will actually vote, right? Even for for PSM, for Pakatan, for Perikatan, for Barisan. Nobody knows where they're going to vote, right? And this, the election result with Undi Lampam Blas will be one of the most amazing elections in this country because nobody can exactly tell who's going to win. And when they are saying that it is a Pakatan Harapan agenda, it will benefit them, no, I totally disagree. I totally disagree. Nobody knows how it's going to benefit. But one thing it will definitely benefit, it will benefit the country. It will definitely benefit the society because the young people will vote against status quo. They will vote for progress. They will vote for policies. Right? And this is what the country daily needs now. And one of the reasons why a lot of old stalwarts are so worried is because they cannot predict how the voting pattern is going to go. It is near impossible.
0: All right. And before we let you go, Sharana, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with?
3: Now, uh, firstly, I would like to thank BFM for allowing me to be on this show. It was amazing uh, talking to you guys. Undi uh, 18 will become one of the most important, if not the first ever electoral reform ever did in this country. Since the formation of the Federation in '63, we have never had uh, any more historical electoral reform in this country. We have allowed uh, young people who have been uh, suppressed in the political sphere to get their voting rights. But today, the agenda is not done yet. There are people, there are people within the establishment who wants to pull it back also. And people has to be consciously criticise them. As public, we have to criticise this. It is time that we do what is right, okay? We have made a major mistake that of not reforming our electoral system. And now when the reform has happened, it's being muted. And public has to come forward... to actually make sure Perikatan National, or for any government of the day that matters, to implement this. If we did not say anything today, they are making a biggest U-turn in our electoral reform. If they can do this and public remains silent, guess how much more damage could they do? How much more U-turn they will do? And people must realise that our silence is equivalent as people who commit the crime itself.
1: On that note, uh, thanks so much for speaking with us today, Sharan. That was Sharan Raj, a Central Committee member of Parti Socialist uh, Malaysia, or PSM, sharing his insights on what went down during uh, the recent Undi 18 uh, protests uh, that happened in Parliament and he also shared with us, you know, why he thinks it's absolutely, absolutely crucial to lower the voting age from 21 to 18, and uh, just to share a fun fact that that um, story um, Sharon told about Amno uh, uh, can actually be found on Amno uh, Youth website. Mm. And a fun fact: it was actually Pomuda Amno that actually proposed uh, the motion for our date of independence on August 31st, 1957, and when it was approved, uh, Tuku Abdul Rahman uh, then. Departed for London to negotiate for independence. So that that was interesting. Yeah, it is. You
0: it is. Yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that story. Yeah. I feel. Well, um, that's all the time we have for today's show, but you can keep sharing with us, uh, sharing your thoughts with us. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can also WhatsApp 018 And if you'd like to get in touch with us, the Bigger Picture Gang, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on BFM, the Bigger Picture, and drop us a message there. If you missed any part of this uh, show, you can download the podcast on bfm.my/slash the Daily Digest. We are also on the BFM app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. And coming up after the 3pm news, Juliet will be hanging around for a for the comeback episode
2: Ooh. of Law & Behold. <laughs> yeah. We were just on a brief hiatus, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're, uh, we're coming back. And uh, this one is going to be with Datuk Malik Imtia who's a constitutional lawyer. No guesses there. Um, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about two major cases, basically the um, how Malaysia Kini was held in contempt of court. So he's going to help explain what that was all about. And we're also going to look at the fake news ordinance and um, yeah, just to discuss that at length. So it should be a very interesting mm. conversation coming up at three.
0: Can't wait for it, so stay tuned for that after the 3pm news. Once again, I'm Dashan Yohan, together with Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf, and this has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.
3: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to
2: bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.